My name is Nathan Kolopek. I am Matthew Morkin. And this is the Veritas Equipping Podcast. Our goal is, especially during this time, to equip you to live out your faith and love Jesus well. So Matthew, today we're finishing off talking about our mission statement as a church. Raise up mature disciples, send out everyday missionaries, and the last part is glorify God. I'm, I'm going to pick your brain today about just what that phrase means, what it means in the Bible, how we actually live it out, how it applies stuff. Does that sound good to you? That sounds great. Because this is like, for, for you guys tuning in listening, and this is a little bit of Matthew's like sweet spot. This is something that he just like loves. So it, it's fun for me to pick your brain a little bit on it. So the phrase is glorify God, right? That That's that's an a active statement, like something we're doing. What is the word glory mean like we're supposed to glorify give glory to god what does the word glory mean yeah i don't you know i don't have my dictionary definition off the top of my head which seems kind of awkward but you know the thing that stands out to me about glory is uh kind of jake's uh definition i like talks about bringing weight to Mm. and he talked in jest about how you know he was going to bring his glory down on his son Mo, like he would just wrestling. sit on him and then he would experience his glory. But yeah. it's like to put weight to. Yeah. And so when you think about, you know, that clause isn't separated from the other two, but right. the culmination of it is to like, we want to bring weight to God. We want to make people aware of who he is and that he is worthy and and heavy. And it's, it's, it's a big deal. Yeah. In... Like the Hebrew language, from what I understand, is a really um, tactile, kind of tangible language. And they would use physical pictures to talk about realities, like raise up a horn for Israel. That's kind of talking about a leader or power or whatever. And the the word for glory in the Old Testament tends to be something like weight and light, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you see moments of Israel at Mount Sinai. There's this cloud, there's lightning, there's immense power and heaviness. And those things are sort of representations of the people of the expression of God, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Who who are some people that helped shape your thinking on glory? I mean, I had I was at a camp. I think I've alluded to this in an older podcast. I was at a camp where a guy uh, was teaching through 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through chapter 2, verse 5, and he rabbit trailed over to Colossians 3. And he talked about putting to death sin, putting on the things of God. And then he talked about doing it for the glory of God yeah. in Colossians 3.17. And so I don't know who that guy is. And I've gone to the camp and I said, I want to find out who spoke at middle school camp in 2007. I wasn't in middle school. <laughs> I, I wish I was. Youthful, uh, but <laughs> but um, I was a youth leader there. And so that taught... that open the door like not only am I supposed to like kill sin for the glory of God but even when I like study scripture or memorize scripture or try to live out this godly life I'm not just doing it to be a good person I'm doing it for the glory of God yeah and so that tied in with listening to messages by Pastor John Piper up at Bethlehem in Minneapolis Uncle Jimmy yeah um (laughs) that man as far as uh kind of the famous pastor had a huge impact in my life um just talking about um the the weightiness and you know and he backs it with the emotion i think he's he's a pastor who's out there who really uh is in awe as he preaches and i'm not suggesting others aren't but i just connect with him very well yeah, had you, a huge impact on my life you personally kind of feel like oh this guy's not just talking about ideas he's talking about experience yes and absolutely and he, when he's been in the word he has experienced the glory of god and that's pretty pretty awesome yeah 
one way to think about God's glory so that that weight and light is part of the picture. Another way of maybe intellectualizing it is to, to think of glory as the tangible physical expression of the immensity of God's character and nature. God is so big, he's beyond time, he's beyond space. We can't we can't in our minds grasp it. And so when when part of his bigness busts into our reality, the way we experience that is oh no. <laughs> like yeah. this he is immense, he's huge. His goodness is bigger than we can get our minds around. His justice is bigger than we can get our minds around. And so people over and over in the Bible when they encounter that, they fall on their face. Yeah. I think the concept of God's glory, when I got saved in 2007, like it all came together. Because then it also, there's threads of that weightiness that help you understand like why wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Mm. Like when you're in awe of God and the reality is that he can do whatever he pleases. And I, who am I? Yeah. You know, yet he takes care of me. You're just like, whoa. I mean, now the fear of the Lord makes sense too. But there's this, the glory, is, there's this huge awe factor yeah. that that drives that. So I want to get to in a minute how we glorify God. But let me ask a bit of a why question here. If glory is the expression of God's weightiness and character and all of that stuff, why does it matter for us to glorify him? If that's already who he is, he is glorious and all of that. Why, why should my life be reoriented around glorifying God? Why, why does it matter for me to try to, um, yeah, lend weightiness or whatever? I think the reality of that answer is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, there, in the beginning, God created. And so you have a God who I believe spoke things into existence in a fairly short period of time. Um, and then you have uh, this issue where we need to be reconciled to him. So even while I'm unreconciled to him, he gives rain for my crops. Uh, he gives you breath know, for my lungs. Breath for my lungs. Like he's given me, allowed me to have a house mm-hmm. and culture and streets and all this stuff. Okay, so in general, this creator has given, mm-hmm. graciously given, and and that's me as an enemy, but. Then for us as believers, you have this beautiful picture of him reconciling us to himself through Jesus Christ. And it's not, I don't, I think you can take this the wrong way and be like, oh, well, because he reconciled me, I have to. But there's also this, I think, where glory and awe come in here. And I don't mean to confuse the two, but you really have the opportunity to be like, I get to, I get to. And so he's reconciled me to himself. So it's more than a house. It's more than... You know, the crops are growing and rain and sun and, you know, great weather. It is this reality that at the deepest sense, he's reconciled me to himself. He has adopted me as a child Mm -hmm. uh, and he has given me and promised me an inheritance and he'll hold me because of the spirit in me till that day. And uh, that is just a sweet, huge, that's huge. (laughs) Yeah. Two, Two things in that. One, you mentioned glory and awe. Glory, glory is the expression of God's character and nature, and awe is maybe what we experience when we encounter glory, right? Yeah, that, absolutely. That's it's great. A, it's our experience of how big he is. But then exactly what you're saying, the storyline you were just saying of God's reconciliation through Jesus Christ, glorifying God is really the only sane reaction to that, absolutely. right? Absolutely. Like when you actually encounter an awesome God like ours, really the only logical conclusion is... He is worth everything. Absolutely. And, and he he becomes the guiding motivation behind everything I do. 
And at my most sane moments, I want to glorify him. Absolutely. When I'm out of my mind, I'm, I'm living for myself, which is dumb because I'm not that big of a deal, right? Or I'm living for my own reputation or my own comfort or whatever. And this stuff that in 10,000 years is not going to matter. That's, that's key. That's yeah. key, right? Because, I mean, again, like think about what you're saying there. Yeah. When I'm focused on myself, I'm focused on my own needs. Yeah. I'm pouting because my TV won't turn on or I'm, yeah. I'm frustrated because I got a ding in my car yeah. or I, you know, and it's or just like. You were even saying real sin and suffering in life too, man. You, you've you been shepherding people at love through the class steps too. People dealing with real suffering. Absolutely. So there, there's the, the first world problems and there's the like real soulish level problems. Absolutely. All of it, not to take too deep of a dive, but it's like. All of it has to stand um, on a backdrop of the, the character nature of God and, and the perspective of eternity in light of who he is, right? And when you see the world through the lens of him bringing glory to himself, like he yeah. is going to make his weight known. He's yeah. going to make his presence known. So all of creation, some say, isn't just an overflow of his glory to draw our attention to him. Yeah. The heavens are declaring the glory of God. The earth is proclaiming his majesty. Mm-hmm. And and then we are created as image bearers. And yeah. so we're to be pointing back to him. Like if these things don't correlate to the glory of God, and if God isn't about his glory... It's meaningless. Mm. Life is meaningless. Yeah. You know, tragedy, hardship, uh, brokenness is, there's hopelessness yeah. without it going back. I mean, that's the theme of Ecclesiastes, right? This this king who could get whatever he wanted, try whatever he wanted, do whatever he wanted. He looked at it all and he said, under the sun, like if, it, if it's just an earthly perspective, just a horizontal perspective, it's meaningless. But if, if you look out beyond at the one who made the sun, who made everything, all of a sudden it puts everything in a new perspective where it actually begins to make sense for God's glory. Okay, so so we've talked about what glory is. We've talked about why we glorify God. We're, we're actually just tuning into sanity. <laughs> we're tuning into the theme of all of existence. How do we glorify God? Like, does that mean we should all quit our jobs and just be, you know, in worship services 24-7? You know, is there a way that... Um, moms listening to this or people going to work at at an auto shop or people just working regular office jobs or whatever, how are they glorifying God? How can they be part of this mission to glorify God? Um, I think you can go to a text. uh, I've referenced Colossians 3.17, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Which, real quick, what just happened now, you guys can't see it because you're listening. Matthew just closed his eyes and pulled that out from the depths of his heart. Which I love that when when I poke you, that's what comes out because that has shaped you. So so Colossians 3.17, how does that teach us about glorifying God? Well, so we have the everyday deeds. You know, Nathan, you and I are reading a book called What's Best Next. It's a little bit uh, leaning towards professionalism and like how do you glorify God in the workplace and really some really big structure changes as far as that goes. But that's another topic. Um, But that reality of everything that we do, right? Everything that we do, okay? So it seems like minuscule tasks. You know, you mentioned someone taking care of children and cleaning up after them repetitively and all the frustration. Literally wiping human waste. (laughs) Yes, exactly, right? But there's this bigger picture of what you're doing and it's an involvement and it's a gift. You know, those little people are gifts. Remember Mm -hmm. that, right? Mm -hmm. And and sometimes it's really hard. Let's Mm -hmm. face that fact too. The whole blessing part, like really? You know? But there's this bigger picture 
ministry going on there. And it's really a heart check. So if my purpose in life is to glorify God in everything and God desires that I glorify him in everything and he desires to reveal himself more to me in everything and will do anything to me Hmm. or around me to get my attention, children, hardships, jobs, marriages exist to draw me to that level where I say, God, you're showing yourself to me, even through our arguments, even through Mm -hmm. our pain, even through our sickness. Mm -hmm. Like, God, you are trying to show me yourself. And that's, that's big. That's big. So in everything, so you look at the mundane everyday task and it's teaching your heart perhaps humility. It's teaching your heart perhaps patience. It's teaching your heart, um, you know, perseverance, you know, as you go through these things. They're not separate. They're not separate. This spiritual, it's not that your chair becomes spiritual, right? But what you're doing has an impact. Like, where is your heart at in the mundane, horrible, repetitive, annoying things of the day? Your life becomes a canvas that God begins to paint his character and his attributes on more and more. And a couple verses before Colossians 3.17 in, in 3.12, Paul writes, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, so this is your identity. You're chosen, you're holy, you're loved. Put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving one another as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let, allow, or focus on, right? Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So, so some of this that he's kind of culminating in whatever you do, do it in the name of Jesus, give thanks to the Father. He talks about how we do it in a way that reflects the gospel, right? So the way that I go about my work, it's not that only specific kinds of work glorify God. It's that the way that I as a person go about it either is trying to glorify myself or glorify God, right? I'm either responding to what Jesus has done and and allowing him, leaning into him, shaping my character to be more like him in the things that I'm doing. Well, and one thing I'd like to say, because the when when I got saved or when I was at that camp in 07, the, the thing that blew my socks off is I always thought about the sinful part. I mean, mm. it says before that, put to death, yeah. therefore, what is, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passions, evil desires, and so on. It talks about anger and wrath and, and things along that line. And I thought, well, of course, of course you're going to kill that. God yeah. doesn't like that. Stop stuff. doing bad stuff. Right. Yeah. And that's for the glory of God. But what I, I learned that day is that also when you put on compassionate hearts, kindness, you know, when you forgive one another, yeah. that is God glorifying. Mm-hmm. Don't forgive somebody for the sake of anything other than glorifying God. Yeah. You know, it just brings your, you know, when you need to ask for forgiveness for harming or hurting somebody, um, it brings it up to a different level. It's not about them. It's against you. You only have I sinned, Lord, you mm-hmm. know, where you have, you know, you have, you know, mistreated an image bearer or however that fleshes out. It's a bigger issue than mm-hmm. you think. Mm-hmm. And so it's for the glory of God that I study scripture. Mm-hmm. It's for the glory of God that I try to be kind to one that I work on patience. Like it is an attribute to him because it's him coming out of me as mm-hmm. a fruit that I am patient with my children. Yeah. So there, there's something beautiful and intimate about how God wants us to glorify him. It's in relationship where he is 
transforming us and working in us and changing the way we go about the things that we do, right? And sometimes it's literally changing the things we do. I go from blowing up in anger. I go from bitterness. I go from um, working selfishly just to get ahead. Yeah, there's some of those things I put off, I put away, kind of what you're saying in the passage here. But also the way I go about the normal stuff becomes a God-glorifying reflection of Jesus, right? I can reflect to the world God's character a little bit more as my life again becomes a canvas that he paints his glory on. That, okay, so this is, this is a little bit of a leading question. Is the option we're putting in front of ourselves of, hey, either glorify God or don't glorify anything, right? Is it kind of like, okay, choose God's glory or, I don't know, just pick another journey in life? Like, is that the option? Do we do we either glorify God or or not glorify? Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think what we wrestle with is we either attempt to glorify or we steal glory. It's him mm. getting glory or I'm getting glory. Yeah. And so when I choose my comfort, right, so we're talking about raising up mature everyday disciples. mature disciples and sending out everyday missionaries. Yeah. Well, when I come to think about missions, whether it's to my neighbor, whether it's to my job, or whether it's to the world, I I have an idol that I could come up. I could steal glory and say, I... I want my comfort. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't want to learn a new language. I can't learn a new language. I'm old. I can't remember stuff, right? Right. Um, Languages are not my thing. You know, I've got all those excuses. And at the heart of that, at the root of that, one, should everyone learn a new language and go across the world? No. But But more you should. (laughs) Yeah. But but there's that challenge of like, I just want to go home, pull in my garage and not say anything to my neighbor who seems to be struggling out there with his car. You know, and that's a challenge, right? And so you have this tension of like, I'm going to steal glory. Or if I go over there and they're like, man, I I didn't know how to do this. Thank you so much for helping me. Where I'm like, you know, whether I say it out loud, I'm like, look at me. I'm a big deal. (laughs) I'm a big deal. Here I am. Happy helper, you know. But then where I take glory rather than I'm thankful. The fact that I can help jumpstart your car. I mean, again, like you can over-spiritualize this. I can see people doing it. I'm not talking about that. But my ability to help you, my ability to serve you, my ability to have that knowledge to jump your car, whatever, get from God. This is cheesy, but Bob Dylan had a, ly- had a lyric. Um, you got to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Some, some of this conversation about glory is it's not, it's not a either I glorify God or I just don't. It's I'm either glorifying God or use the word steal. Or I'm, I'm putting glory that God deserves. I'm putting honor, worship, I'm ascribing weightiness and power and authority and value either to God or to something less than God. And if it's if it's something less than God, it might be myself and my reputation. It might be my kids or I'm trying to live through them or, or make them the, the source of my satisfaction and worth. Could be my career, could be my paycheck, could be my stuff. We live in a culture where, man, I've been convicted of this recently. I'm greedy. I didn't think I was greedy. Because I, I don't have as much money as some people, but I'm still greedy. You don't have to have money to be greedy, right? And when I'm greedy, I'm putting a worth and a weight on stuff or comfort um, that, that those things can't bear up. And so glorifying God in some instances looks like me repenting of greed, getting rid of some of my stuff and choosing not to get some new stuff. That's just me personally, right? But it's not, a, it's not an option of either glorify God or don't glorify. It's either glorify God or steal his glory and put it somewhere it doesn't belong. Yeah, amen. Because glory is to be had. It's around. What are we doing with it, too? And so as we think about raising up mature disciples, you know, as you're a disciple, a disciple isn't about your own glory. Right. It's about bringing glory to God. And as a disciple, I get to 
whether I'm reading scripture or I'm in a community group, you know, in a connection group, in a class, I'm being made more aware of how awesome God is, maybe even to help me glorify him. I don't know if God is worth glorifying. Well, I take this class and I learn more about God and I'm like, whoa, he's worth glorifying. He can rescue, he can heal. Um, He is awesome. He is Lord, you know? And so I take that, I grow in my discipleship. I want to be mature in my disciple to understand my maker so I can give him more glory. So I can evaluate areas in my life where I'm stealing glory. And when you look at the opportunity to be everyday missionaries in our community, in our state, in our nation, around the world, you have an opportunity to step out in vulnerability, showing factually that God will provide for your needs according to his riches and glory. And you're going to display that in a very practical sense to your neighbor and around the world. As we kind of close this conversation, um, I would love a couple practical steps for us as a body to continue to equip you. We, we've got Desiring God, at least as we're recording this podcast, we've got Desiring God at the Resource Center. That would be another book to kind of help recenter you on glorifying God. Um, Jake preached a sermon a couple months ago now on how the theme of the Bible is God's glory. Go back and listen to that on the website. Pick that up again. And kind of the last thing you can practically do, if, if you want a bigger vision of God, Get into the Word and look at what happens when some people encounter Him. Read Isaiah 6 and look at what happens when Isaiah sees God. Or look at the end of look at the beginning of Revelation or the end of Revelation where John encounters the risen Christ. And just see what it looks like when someone actually meets with God and gets a little bit more perspective of how big and worthwhile He is. And as you're reading the Scriptures... Don't just read them for the knowledge base, yeah. but read them for the testimony of God and his glory. Yeah. So you know about the people of Israel and they crossed a big sea. Well, look at how God glorified himself in opening up his creation so they could walk through on dry ground. Yeah, And he's right there in and through the word trying to speak to you and show you a little bit more that he's worth glorifying. He's worth your life. Well, we hope this has equipped you a little bit more um, just to, to live out this mission statement together. Not for the glory of Veritas, not for the glory of our name, but to glorify God because he's worth it. Thanks, Matthew.